Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry. Well, the clocks may have gone back and the memories of the summer may be growing a bit more distant, but there's little let up in the world of Scottish cricket. And over the winter, we'll be keeping you up to date with the very latest news and views from the Scottish game. As I speak, Scotland's men are on their way back from the UAE, where they secured their passage to the final stages of the ICC Men's T20 World Cup in Australia, thanks to that thumping win over the hosts at the Global Qualifier. It's been an equally busy time for three members of the national women's setup, though, and in the special edition I'll be chatting with Sarah Bryce, Katie McGill and assistant coach Peter Ross about their time out in Australia as part of the ICC Women's Global Development Squad. I'll also be reflecting on the summer past with Cricket Scotland High Performance Manager Simon Smith and talking about the future of the women's team from his perspective after that fifth place finish at the qualifier for the Women's T20 World Cup in Dundee and Angus back in September. But first to Australia, where Katie and Sarah joined 11 other cricketers from around the world in the ICC Women's Global Development Squad. After playing six T20s against players drawn from women's big bash sides, including the Melbourne Stars, Adelaide Strikers and Hobart Hurricanes, the squad were placed with various WBBL sides as they prepared for their first matches in this year's competition, all with the aim of enhancing the development of female players from just outside the top tier of the world game. Jet lag now passed, Katie's back in Edinburgh and Sarah in Loughborough, where she's just started her second year at university, and I began by asking them how their trip had gone. It was really good, a little bit colder than expected, none of us really packed for spring, we definitely expected a bit of an Aussie summer, um, it wasn't quite there yet, but no, it was really cool, um, so obviously like the trip was in sort of two big segments, the first being we played as the ICC Global Development Squad, and then we split off into pairs and placed with each WBBL, so really cool to see both sides, because I know people have done aspects of one or the other before, um, but to get the combination was really exciting. It was quite a different experience from the first time that I did it. Um, after the qualifiers in Holland um, because that time there was a few visa issues so it ended up being very much a European kind of team uh, which was great but we all kind of knew each other a little bit beforehand um, whereas this time we were a lot more spread out I think there was eight different countries represented um, so yeah it was uh, loads of different cultures there but we got on so well so it was like so much fun um, and learned a lot from, from that. We arrived on, I think, the Monday, and then the Tuesday we met the rest of the team we'd be playing with for the next week and a half, um, and straight into training by the afternoon, and then daily routine. It was pretty much a match or travelling every day or training, so um, very cricket orientated, but really good. Um, obviously different people to who we've played and trained with before, so a really fresh experience, and great just to be able to go full in and access some really top-end facilities, um, and just, yeah crack on with it really and it was cricket 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 and then uh, once we played six games between Melbourne and uh, Hobart uh, against the Victoria team the Adelaide Strikers and the Hurricanes um, we then split off into pairs uh, we were on placement with different teams I went back up to Melbourne and joined the Melbourne Stars and so for that we saw their practice game on day one uh, I even got a little field unfortunately Alana King had a thumb injury and um, we'd just arrived off the plane, had no kit, so I was in shorts, trainers, and about as village as the BBL will ever be. Um, but that was really fun. Um, and then we sort of we got to sit in and observe how they do things like team meetings, how they do their training, um, and join in with a little bit of that where possible as well. So a bit of net bowling, a bit of fielding, um, yeah, um, but a lot of observing and just hearing how other people approach stuff, which is really cool. So I was with the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, which was great because I was with them back in 2017 for a couple of weeks. Um, 
when I did the the two week rookie placement back then. So it was great to kind of go back and uh, see some familiar faces. But obviously, quite a lot of change since I was last there because Sal's come in as a new coach. Um, so yeah, it's great to see them, you know, win a couple of games and get on a good start to the competition. So much you said about cricket being a, a head game rather than just a, a physical game. Um, what do you feel that you've you've learnt to take away for your own development in the future in terms of seeing how other teams prepare, other players operate and so on? Um, I think it's quite cool to see how simple everyone keeps it. You know, you can almost think that you see these top teams and they've got vision, so these the ability to watch themselves or any opponent on video endlessly. Um, and they've got you know four or five coaches and all these other support staff they can go to and at the end of the day it comes down to the same simple principles and the same idea of having a plan trusting yourself and just having the bravery to execute um, so it's really cool to see that although maybe we haven't got all the luxuries they have we can still follow the same base steps and we maybe just have to work around some of the information a little bit better I think techniques keep changing and the way people kind of go about training and everything keeps changing so I think learning kind of how people go about it now um, a lot of kind of uh, team meetings and stuff was very player led um, a lot more player led than I've ever kind of experienced before which was really interesting um, seeing how the kind of players take on a lot more responsibility to um, know what they need to do and get out of um, get out of it and so that was kind of really interesting to see so um, yeah I learned a lot about, about that and how hopefully um, I can take that home and take more responsibility um, in my own training um, back home. Sarah Bryce there speaking from Loughborough and before her Katie McGill talking about their experiences as part of the ICC Women's Global Development Squad. Also in Australia was Scotland women assistant coach Peter Ross who worked alongside Netherlands head coach Sean True on the programme and on what was a not too wonderful phone line he told me about the experience from his point of view. It was a great experience Jake it was something that I've been really looking forward to doing for quite a long period of time. Like, you know, I, during the, the application process and the interview process to apply for it, um, I spoke about how I have spent a lot more, almost all of my coaching career in Scotland. So this opportunity to go out to Australia to mix with um, a whole variety of players and coaches and people from different backgrounds and experiences was um, just really amazing. And, and it was credit to actually everyone involved in it because. Uh, both the players and the coaching staff were all really engaged and, and uh, really passionate to make as much of it as possible and to learn from each other and to try and make the most of the whole experience. So all in all, um, it was such a positive experience and I can't really say a bad word about it, to be honest. And how was the experience of working alongside uh, different coaches? It was great. Working with Sean, I, I've seen him quite a lot of times in these ICT events and I have a little bit of relationship, but to get to know him properly over the past couple of weeks was a lot of fun. He, you know, he's got his own ways of doing things, and actually, I thought the way that we operated together, we, we complemented each other. You know, he has um, some strength in his skills. You know, he, he brought the team together really well, and he, he had some other strengths. Um, and I could see how he went about those strengths and things that he did well. Um, but also, there are other areas where he uh, maybe needed some help, and I was able to come in with my my own set of skills. Um, we were also fortunate to work with our mentor coach called Joanne Broadbent. Um, and between myself, Sean and her, it was a really good um, dynamic between all the coaches, you know, um, again, really keen to share and to pass on experiences and just learn from each other to make it as valuable as possible. It sounds like it's been a, a really refreshing experience for your future development as well. 
yeah, definitely. I, I feel really energised. Um, having done it, uh, you can probably tell I'm speaking about it with a lot of passion because um, it's something that I've been trying to do for, for a while and, and to get the opportunity to do it and just to learn so much, um, it just makes me constantly want to develop and, and get better as a coach, which I guess is the whole point of it. But uh, I've come back with, with a lot more info, a lot, a lot of different ideas about how I can keep doing things as a coach, how I can importantly help moving cricket in Scotland forward, which was part of the aim of the project, is to go away learn as much as possible, but bring as much as possible back so that other people here at home can can develop and, and learn from it as well. And so from that perspective, I, I'm really um, looking forward to my coaching over the next six to 12 months and, and how I can implement what I've learned. Scotland Women Assistant Coach Peter Ross. And so to last summer, where the big event was of course the qualifier for the ICC Women's T20 World Cup. After a great start against the USA in the group stages, a six-wicket defeat to Papua New Guinea proved costly as Scotland finished ultimately in fifth place. Big wins over Namibia and the Netherlands in the playoffs showed more of the Scotland we saw in the pre-tournament quadrangular series in Holland, however, where the team recorded victories over Ireland and eventual qualifiers Thailand, as well as doing the double over the Dutch. Now two months on from that global qualifier, I asked Sarah for her assessment of the tournament and the current position of the team. The results weren't what we wanted. Um, Definitely disappointed with that, but I think we just got to take what we can from it and learn from it and, you know, be better next time. Um, And, you know, I think the the standard overall has increased um, and that that showed there was more teams in contention. Obviously, Thailand qualified for their first World Cup, which was great for them. Um, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we're disappointed with with how the summer went, but we've just got to learn where we where we've gone wrong um, and make those adjustments so that next time around we don't make the same mistakes again. Yeah, and, and I suppose being involved in things like the the global development squad can only help process too. Yeah, definitely see how kind of the other teams have gone about getting to where they are now. Um, obviously, seeing Thailand's growth. Um, has been incredible so getting to kind of speak to a couple of their players and see how they just they're just so committed to training and they, they don't have all the facilities that you know the likes of the big nations do have but they they kind of make it work through their commitment and and that which was pretty cool to see so yeah i think we can we can learn a lot from how the other countries kind of go about and get to where they are um obviously not everything's going to be the same for us and uh, we're in a different situation but i think we can learn a lot from them and find a way that to use what they do uh, but in a way that works for us is there something that we could put our finger on that's the missing ingredient do you think i had a chat with with noxie at the very start of the of the summer but way back in april just before the season began and, and who was talking about the sense of of bravery which is yeah. obviously not something you wake up one morning and suddenly have. Do you think looking back in the in the future, if that is the missing ingredient, that this tournament, particularly the global qualifier, could be seen as the as the beginning of something new rather than an end in itself? Yeah, definitely. I think we're we've got a lot of young players and we're still finding our way a little bit as a team. Um and I think being brave is something that we can still get better at. Um, because I think we, we, you know, um, if we can take more, get better at taking those risks, but um, calculated risks, so we just need to start finding out what what we can do. Um, I think a little bit better as a team, because um, yeah, we are still very young as a team, and the more experiences we can get, um, I think the better we'll get at, at knowing when's the right time to be brave and 
using that to our advantage. Yeah, I mean, looking looking on, it was the PNG game in particular struck me in that batting first, and you know, it was a, a tricky toss to lose. I thought at the, at the at the time, but you hit the first ball for four, and then yeah. were out. I think second ball chasing chasing a wider one, so you were looking to attack from the start. But then after when Lorna came in and again attacked and fell fairly fairly cheaply I think 14 odd if I remember rightly and then it seemed to me that Catherine was sort of almost caught between two stools of whether to attack or whether to protect wicket so it was that the intent was there but when it starts to kind of go a little bit wrong that it's it's following through and keeping it going is that a fair assessment do you think yeah definitely um I think it's just about kind of trying to find the balance and working out as individual players um, what kind of are we can play attacking shots which are low risk which are attacking shots are higher risk and um, you know the same with defensive shots and um, working out when we can do what and I think we just um, will continue to get better at that and as we get more depth in our batting orders they as those lower down can hopefully get gain some more confidence that they can put in those beginnings as well then you know we can go out of there and continue to carry on that intent like you say throughout the whole innings because yeah I think we are a little bit guilty at sometimes if if we don't get off to the perfect start we can sometimes then get a little bit tentative um, so yeah if we can not just start off brave but continue that throughout the whole whole innings and the whole match um, is really important. But having said all of that, still some huge positives that came out of that tournament, even despite the, the results at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. I think we've found some great players. I mean, even in the likes of the Quadrangular series in particular, I think Catherine Fraser stepped up and did you know brilliantly well, especially with Catherine missing. We needed we needed bowlers to step up, and you know she's obviously very young, but it's great that she's coming through. We've also got Megan, who's um, quite young and new to the squad. Karis, who unfortunately couldn't play in the end, but um, due to her concussion. But you know we've got a lot of youngsters that are coming through and. Um, you know, with Priya and Az and Karis both out um, doing seasons abroad as well, hopefully they can learn a lot and bring that back to the squad. And yeah, I think it's really exciting, you know, where the future that we we have potential. Sarah Bryce. For another perspective, I spoke to Simon Smith, who was one of the senior members of Cricket Scotland's staff who formed part of head coach Steve Knox's team for the duration of the tournament. Just before he jetted out to be with the men's team in their preparations for the UAE, I caught up with him at Cricket Scotland headquarters to get his thoughts on the past, present and future of the national team. So I'm joined by High Performance Manager Simon Smith here at Cricket Scotland. First of all, welcome to the pod, Simon. Thanks very much, Jake. My pleasure. Obviously, you were very heavily involved in the uh, preparations for the qualifier this, uh, this season out. One of the senior members of the Cricket Scotland staff that was brought in to add your expertise to the setup. In many ways, your your involvement symbolises the the change in the level of support that's that's happened in more recent times as far as Scotland's women uh, go. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the the background to that? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, I think we are going in in a good direction. We're still a long way from where we want to be, um, but yeah, absolutely. That's a, a one symptom of of a of a wider strategy around better supporting the women's game um, to to help to help that side achieve what they need to achieve. Um, you know, going right back to the beginning, women's cricket existed outside of Cricket Scotland altogether. Um, it then came into Cricket Scotland, but was was a, very much a pathway thing, uh, or even participation probably to begin with. Then pathway. Now we've got a situation where the the women's national team, the A team, 
and the, the Eagles and Stormers are then considered to be part of the high performance department. Um, it's a subtle change, but it just means that they are now um, in a better place to achieve more parity between the men's and women's national teams in terms of the support they get um, from within Cricket Scotland, from Sports Scotland, and we may talk a little bit about that uh, later as well, and from ICC. So it's just really repositioning the women's game to make sure they get a better chance to achieve what they what they want to achieve, what they need to achieve. and. Um, yeah, I think it's setting us up quite nicely for where we need to go. And in terms of, of, of this season, obviously it started in La Manga, mm -hmm. uh, the joint training camp with the men, very kind of innovative uh, thing. And so, so how did that sort of help with the preparations into the, uh, into the, the tournament? Yeah, I think it was probably towards the back end of 2018 when we started to make the changes to, to high performance, performance pathway and, and the roles that we, the new roles that we were creating. Um, we looked to try and make sure that the the men and women could could both access the, the resources that we do have and we've got a lot of really good coaches um, we've got a good training facility in La Manga um, and it's just a lot of a lot of intelligence a lot of experience that we need to better share so um, yeah the idea came up to do a combined camp the, the women went first the men came second and then and they overlapped in, in the middle and we shared some some coaching and some facility and some good practice and just thought it was a good starting point to, to bring them closer together you know as I said earlier the, the women had come from being in the pathway um, largely amateur but but trying to behave like professionals and, and the men already on that road of being most of them full-time pros so um, yeah the idea came up to bring them together I thought it was a good idea I think um, I think in the immediate term everybody benefited from it a little bit and I think longer term the more we do things like that, the more we can integrate the two programmes, um, the more everybody will benefit long term. And we're obviously talking now a week on from the, the end of the qualifiers. So what was the tale of the tournament, would you say? Um, the tournament was a brilliant tournament. Uh, you know, uh, huge congratulations and thanks to everybody involved at the two venues, um, all the ICC staff, all the Cricket Scotland staff, all the volunteers. Um, well, three clubs because there was the training venue as well. Um, you know, to, to put on that event and um, Cricket World Cup League Two in Aberdeen just before two events like that at this time of year in Scotland and not lose a single game to the weather. Um, you know, so testament to everybody in terms of the ground staff um, and thanks to the weather gods. Um, but yeah, it was a wonderful tournament and it reflected really well on, on Cricket Scotland and Cricket in Scotland. Um, already looking forward to bringing more women's international cricket back to Scotland next summer and beyond. Um, we may talk a little bit about that later as well. Um, but yeah, and on, on the field, just a, a, a sense of, of, of disappointment because um, this is a team that was as well prepared as a women's team ever have been for a, a tournament. Um, they are improving, no doubt about that. We've got some some players who are already excellent players and we've got a number of players who are going to be excellent players. Um, it's a young team, average age 20 and a half. Um, we've got a full range of 14 year old schoolgirl to um, you know, professional athlete playing in the, uh, in the Kia Super League um, in England. So um, a real you know, a crew with huge potential. We, I think the sense of disappointment is progress in itself, that actually everybody genuinely believed that we could and would qualify. Um, 
Yeah, because uh, perhaps in the past in tournaments it might be it might have been a sense of hope, and then a little bit of disappointment. I think now there was there was expectation mm. and disappointment. Um, We've only just begun the review, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll pick the bones out of it and, and make sure that we capture everything that's been done well and make sure we continue that. Um, and also just really zero in on the things that we know we need to improve in order to, to get to the next stage of the journey. Um, at the minute, the feeling's a little bit raw because we, we had high hopes and we, we genuinely believed that we would qualify. Um, as a very quick summary... As a gut feel, I think probably maybe this tournament just came slightly too early for this group. I think perhaps the best years for this team lie two, three, four years ahead. Um, so they're improving. They're just not quite good enough yet to have qualified for a global tournament, which is which is hugely disappointing. We had a, a, a conference with the other nations and with ICC after the tournament uh, where we looked at sharing, sharing good practice and... Um, you know, capturing what where we're at in terms of the women's game among the leading associates and the lower ranked full members, and there's a lot of good stuff went on over that two day period. Um, but when it really hit home was when we started to look at a potential FTP for for the women's game, and um, and saw that you know with with either regional or global qualifiers or global events themselves or bilateral cricket, everybody else had quite a lot of cricket ahead of them, mm. and our column was empty. So, uh, yeah, that's when it starts to hit home that if you don't qualify for things, it, it makes it even more difficult to qualify the next time round. So, um, huge sense of disappointment, but already because we're looking, to, we've got some responses in already from the review, we've already spoken with, with some of the players and staff, um, already optimism about what the next two or three years holds in store. There's the, the 2022 World Cup, there's potentially um, the, uh, the Commonwealth Games. Uh, on the horizon as well, mm. Birmingham. So there's a few things for us to kind of hang on to and, and hopefully prepare for. Um, and because we haven't got a global event or, or, a, or a global qualifier to prepare for next year, we're going to have to populate that calendar ourselves because the, you know we're not going to get any better by not playing any cricket. We need to somehow find a way of providing the girls with the amount of cricket they need, the amount of competitive international cricket they need to, to continue to improve. Mm to get to the level that, that they want they want to get to and that we need them to get to. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really has always struck me about Cricket Scotland is the, the creative way that the funding, that opportunities are, are used, and obviously with regards to the men's game as well, and, and I, I guess it's now that, that, that those, uh, those skills are going to be put to the test again. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, we do still rely heavily on a couple of of key funding partners. Um, we do obviously work very hard to try and bring in um, partnerships and sponsorships. Um, we believe we've got a, a good product that people um, should be inspired to be involved with. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's almost uh, a little bit of a leap of faith just to kind of maybe put together a program aspirationally and then somehow try and find a way of delivering it rather than sitting and waiting for um, the money to come in, um, you know, we can't, we couldn't sit here at HQ and, and just say, look, there's no money, so there's no cricket. We need to, um, we need, as you say, be creative. So, so we've got some thoughts around what uh, what we might do during our summer next year, 
um, and also what we might do either side of it, um, you know, in, in quarters uh, one and four next year. Um, some of which came out of that that conference we had with the other, you know, the, the other member nations, because you get the chance to chat about each other's schedules and what your priorities are and where are you going to be in the world at certain times of year. Um, and off the back of those conversations, we've we've got four ideas that we might have to to put together what would be a really exciting schedule for them. You know, the the women played fifteen T Twenty Is this year. Um, we need to make, and that was with two um, qualifying events included. So next year, with no qualifying events included, we need to at least match that, if not uh, increase that, um, and keep that conversation going about fifty over cricket as well. Because it, you know, there's no, there would be no sense in fifty over cricket just dropping off the radar for that team. Uh, it's a hugely important format, um, and we need to probably find a way of playing fifty over cricket as well as T Twenty cricket. Um, at national team level somehow next year. Yeah, I mean, w w what fascinates me um, as well, talking about that evolution, the way that things have, have changed, the expectations now, you know, looking back 20 years ago when there wasn't a national team, basically, the next year is, is the 20th anniversary of, of, of the first competitive fixture. And of course, you were involved in the, in the early days of, of, of Scotland <laughs> women. Um, yeah. Back in 2008, mm. um, the team went to a World Cup qualifier in, in, in South Africa. And how do you feel that that has evolved in, in time? And where do you think is, or is the next step in terms of the high performance uh, that Scotland's women need, mm. to, uh, need to go to? Yeah, it, was, um, it, all, it all came flooding back when we had that capping ceremony for the former international players at the start of this qualifier just mm. recently concluded. Um, to see those players coming back um, to, to chat about those times um, and those, those previous experiences just to rec and also to recognise them for having played for Scotland because in those yes. days we didn't have caps, we didn't have anything that acknowledged people representing their country so, um, so that was a really cool event and it, it got me remembering those times and yeah you're right I think um, you know, my own mother was involved in coaching the side at the very beginning I then got on with my own playing career I just went in with, with eyes and ears and mind wide open because it was just, I was, I was getting on with my playing career, but I was also getting started with a coaching career as well. So I was keen to, to learn and have some new experiences and opportunities. So what happened, we had a, a Women's World Cup qualifier schedule for Lahore in November 2007, and Pete Steindl was the coach of the team. And then very quickly, Pete got the job with the men's team, asked me if I'd be interested in looking after the women's team, and then um, due to security fears in Pakistan, the tournament was moved to South Africa. Um, so it all happened very quickly. The whole assignment was probably only three or four months long. Um, but I, I, I mean, albeit, you know, we, we lost some games and uh, it was a tough tournament. We finished fifth, uh, sixth out of eight. Um, it was just a really good learning experience for me and for the girls. Looking at that squad, Abby's the only one who's still currently playing for Scotland. Um, Lee Kasprick's still currently playing, but for a different country. Um, others are still playing club cricket and, and representative cricket, um, both here and in Australia. So, um, yeah, it was it was difficult times because there were some we're on the wrong end of some wallopings, but we also we got a win. We we won uh, we won a game at a at a, at a world tournament, a qualifier, um, and yeah, I wouldn't say that was the starting point, but it was certainly when we started to think about. Um, on and off the field, how can we start to introduce more um, professionalism to to the women? Even though they're not being remunerated, I mean, professionalism has more than one meaning. Um, it's not just a paid packet. I think uh, 
you know, how could we introduce the women to more professional behaviours, more professional training, and somehow give them more opportunities to, to develop more quickly than they currently are. Um, that said, that was 11 years ago. Um, so, you know, we have been pretty slow in getting to, to where, where we are now. Um, but I'd like to think what's happened over the last year has been a step change because um, I think probably up to last year, maybe even up to this year, the women's team on a similar road to the men, but probably 10 or 15 years behind in terms of playing an A team within the English domestic competitions, a lot of time on the road, a lot of time playing against counties, county second 11s, um, women playing against um, first class and minor counties in, in that domestic competition. Um, we are at least now moving towards having more international cricket against other member nations. Um, we're giving a much better account of ourselves when we go to, to tournaments, as we did over this last uh, last few weeks. So, yeah, on the field, yes, and then structurally, I think the fact that we've changed, you know, as I said earlier, bringing the women's national team, the women's A team, the Eagles and Stormers into high performance, putting them alongside their equivalent teams in the men's game, and having someone overseeing that is a, is a significant change. Um, it's still not perfect yet because there's still we're nowhere near parity in terms of opportunity, um, and the person who is overseeing that as high performance manager is still embedded day to day in the men's team. So, it's not it's not yet complete parity, but at least I think we're moving in the right direction. And and what'll come from this review will hopefully be some key points as to what next year and beyond should look like. What are the what are the key priorities for us to address right now to make sure we don't miss this chance. Simon Smith there, bringing this edition of the Cricket Scotland podcast to a close. My thanks to all my guests and to you for listening. Look out for plenty more to come over the winter about Cricket Scotland's work both on and off the field. But for now, from me, Jake Perry, until the next time, goodbye.